and welcome to the circuit end of year wrap up. My name is Mark Williams, sitting in the pod hot seat this time for Mark Amory, our usual pod host. And I'm very pleased to welcome not one, two, three, but four special guests for this end of year discussion today. On my left here is uh, Remco Dublage from Artspace, Judy Dara, artist, Becky Hemis, writer and curator. And over here is Lucinda Bennett, also a writer based here in Tamaki Makaurau. So uh, it's really wonderful to be here because I'm based in Wellington and I'm hoping that you guys will be able to shed some light on things that have happened in Auckland this year, but also elsewhere around New Zealand and internationally as well. But I wanted to start, first of all, by congratulating Judy on another issue of Femisphere. Oh, thank you. Yes, yes, we're really happy with this one. One more to go. Oh, really? So it's a finite project? Well, we've got funding for one more, and then we'll, we'll have to kind of rejig it and how we're going to present it. Might have to go around with our begging bowls, but um, <laughs> we've got a website up now, so one, two, and three are on the website now as well. Could you just tell us a little bit about the project and its intentions? Sure. So um, Femisphere grew out of a conversation with myself and um, artist Imogen Taylor, sort of an intergenerational conversation about um, the position of New Zealand women art particularly in New Zealand and representation, etc. Nothing had seemed to change for her as a sort of a mid-career artist and me as a later career artist. So we sort of thought, we had a shared interest in zine, so we thought, let's see if we can do something together and collaborate. So we invite um, New Zealand woman artists to respond to another woman artist who has influenced them or who they're inspired by and make a work or write a text. So we get this very kind of diverse writing, imagery, etc. I think we had a song in Femme 3 um, this time around. Um, and we got funding from CNZ Suffrage to do two issues, and we've got one more to go. It's fantastic, and I think it's really indicative of the way artists often step up to fill these gaps that institutions don't fill. And we've seen that here in Auckland with the uh, Room Women's Moving Image Archive as well, which, of course, is you know seeking to present this kind of history which um, feels a little bit buried mm. and of course you know you have Samoa House Library as well which has stepped up uh, when that Fine Arts Library was closed as well. Thoughts on the closure of the Fine Arts Library? Um, Unforgivable. Yeah it's a dark day in history. <laughs> I think it's probably um, the thing that's been almost one of the most defining things of this year is people kind of coming to terms with that really concrete gesture of um, a certain institution not caring about what we care about. I see. It's also, I mean, utterly crazy, of course. I mean, and a lot of people, of course, like I'm very different. I'm from outside of, of Tamaki, outside of Aotearoa, so I have a different uh, perspective on it and not, not such a physical connection to that library. I never went there, right? But I, I know that from other places as well, so it's not the first place in the world that that happens. But also kind of how can you be so um, kind of ignorant of that that it's a place for people that actually whatever you think that it is it might be very different for other people maybe as a as a as a place or as an institute i mean you know things need to progress okay we all kind of we we all can see that no but there's no effort made into what it what else it could become no and also kind of it had a huge history mm-hmm. and one it's a missed opportunity and two it's like of course completely aggressive towards the people that have been using it or that are mm-hmm. and oh, ignoring yeah. the public outcry as well exactly, yeah. and the effect won't be felt for years I think <laughs> it will get worse yeah. like Lucinda and I studied art history yeah. and there's no connection really between Elam and art history but even in my first year I would go to the library and yeah. see these artists that I'd heard of or yeah. meet artists that I've ended up curating shows with yeah. and 
that was so important. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. already a social been. space as well as a knowledge yeah. space. Yeah, like when you're not kind of confident enough yeah. to talk to people at openings, yeah. or yeah. it's kind yeah. of the first space that yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, Engaged. meetings physically in a space now, they just say, oh, you can just go to the general library and pick up those books. You know, we have 16 copies of uh, of, of this kind of... It's an e-book now. It's like- yeah, it's an e-book. But it's like, that's also kind of completely bullshit, of course, because you don't also go to the library to meet people even even yeah. secretly, you know? It's like, really, oh, yeah, oh, Mark, you are here. And then they kind of... Say, you know, that's kind of, you know, and like people could fall in love and all that. Kind of I had a date there. Also, yeah. Yeah. But, but, also, but also the works. This also works in the library that they're actually, they're un- there's mm. like unique mm. stuff in that library you know I think history's really going to um, put a really poor light on what what's happened with that library and it's going to be quite unforgivable and I think it's a, a really bad mistake yeah well that's a very dark shadow with which to launch let's maybe move on to shows I'd really love to know I guess from each of you really what was a highlight show and maybe Lucinda we could start with you alright this is okay this was hard um, I wrote down numerous ones but um what i really wanted to when i when i really thought about the the shows that um that honestly just made me the most happy that gave me the most joy (laughs) um the ones that i went back to uh i think every single one was by a female painter um and one of them being the sort of giant um francis hodgkins exhibition at auckland art gallery which Uh um was was overwhelming for me. I went with my parents and um, the poor things had to sit at a couch at the end for like an hour um, because I was taking so long. Um, but it was such a it was such a mammoth exhibition and um, and getting to hear Mary Kisler speak about it as well and the fact that it turned out to be Mary Kisler's swan song from Auckland Art Gallery as well seemed really pertinent. But to see all of those works from this artist that I've loved since I was at high school. And to see ones I'd never even known existed was really exciting. But then on the other, less from history side, there's a lot of young painters that are doing really cool things at the moment. And the four that I've written down. (laughs) (laughs) So um, one was um, Emma McIntyre's show, The Blue of It, which she staged at her Shattuck Street studio um, just before she went to LA to do her master's or second master's, I think. And she painted out the building entirely in this lavender blue color and hung her paintings on it so it felt like you were kind of floating with these really floaty paintings the second one was a giant giant hang at two rooms which was Tara walsh and it was called hustle and all of her paintings were absolutely enormous and kind of crazy and dynamic and felt like they shouldn't work together but did it's n- probably no secret that I <laughs> love Christina Pataioli's work. And she had a show at the start of the year to Melville. I mean, it was a while ago now, but it's one I keep thinking about because it was kind of a... The works were a lot more... They were smaller and they were sort of lighter and more pastel and more sort of domestic than the works that she'd done in her last couple of shows. And it was just like a really beautiful... It worked really well in that light, eerie space as well. And she's just had the guestwork residency in London, hasn't she? Yes, I think maybe it's still there. Final one, just to like hold the stage for one more thing, <laughs> was actually a show that I have to admit I didn't actually see in the flesh, but I was lucky enough to visit Anushka Kell in her studio while she was preparing for it and see all of her new work that eventually became her show Learners at Hopkins and Mossman in Wellington. For someone who was kind of a very big fan for a very long time it was really exciting to see this massive shift in her practice that still very much feels like her work 
because she was the uh, recipient of the Sea Art Trust Award last year and it was kind of showed you what a year of a sort of funded artist practice could actually do and how it could create this huge opportunity for like a shift Mm. and for so much research. It does become very evident, isn't it, when artists are given time to make work, how the practice Mm. can develop. Gosh, (laughs) so obvious. That's my, that's my... uh, Very good, yeah. (laughs) Becky, for you, what resonated this year? I also had quite a list, but I think I really, I really love Natasha Matila-Smith's artwork in a group exhibition at Te Uru. The Uh exhibition was called 24-7 and Natasha's work was called I Know Everyone's Miserable But How Does That Help Me? And I think there were nine or ten banners with text-based kind of stanzas, poem stanzas that she had written and there was this pink kind of gossamer curtain separating the space from the other works. There was a circular pink sort of flat bench in the centre where you could sit down and be surrounded by these really big, they were two metres by one metre, so these really big pieces of text that said things like, just for a moment when I wake up I forget all about you, I had a dream you said you were sorry, not going to lie, it was a great dream, if I run into you in the street I'm crossing the road, so it was these kind of like, break up, internet there was just like something was kind of constantly running in your head and it kind of felt very anxious and dreamy and Sorrow at Sunsatire just had this artwork that opened on the Auckland Art Gallery Terrace. It's called The Interior and I think it's a really amazing work for the terrace, like the way it uses the space and it's kind of playful and sad and it's this bright blue kind of moa figure with other figures kind of situated, smaller figures situated around it also Bronte Perry at Blue Oyster, Bua Number 5. That was a really beautiful show. Bronte makes these kind of text-based works on cloth. And also Ophelia King and Arise Kaki at Window Gallery. And they really used the space. They kind of put stones on the floor and painted the wall terracotta. And it felt like you were in a completely different environment. Mm. There was a photo of Arise by Ophelia on the wall and then this amazing curtain with nudes of men stitched into it that was kind of moved throughout the opening. It's easy to miss those shows at window mm. because it's not a space you generally go to unless you're studying. I agree about the Sorowit show. I went up there last week and I was there by myself with this mower, this sort of, he looked like he was not alive and he just sort of sits there and he's mm. just dead or alive and it's quite sad and... Oh, sad and beautiful and everything, yeah. I think it was, um, the Moa figure was based on a work from the collection, which is sort of the last Moa, and it's sort of this um, painting, this very sort of sentimental, beautiful painting of a um, fallen Moa surrounded by all these different native birds, kind of, like, seemingly... Lamenting the Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I saw, when I went, there were kids up on the terrace, and they were all sort of stroking the Moa. It was really sweet. Poor, poor little mower. <laughs> Huge mower. <laughs> Judy, what about you? Um, okay. Again, it's very hard to just do one, so I've got a little group. Can I call it a group? Go for it. So I started off, I was in LA doing a residency at the beginning of this year, and I got to see the Laura Owens show at the MOCA, the survey. 40 to 60 works. It was amazing to experience. Again, this well-researched, curated body of work from a you know, really important painter. And then I came back 
and I went to the Louise Henderson, and I went to the Francis Holgerkins, and I'm going, how come it's taken this long mm. for us to recognise women artists? We only do it when they're dead, et cetera, et cetera. You know, why, why, why are we still playing with this kind of distance between an artist practice, dead and gone, et cetera? So that kind of made me think about that. Um, the kick for me in the Louise Henderson was the... Um, 12-month paintings as, as you left the space. There was this one big room and there was 12 paintings based on each day of the month. There were two missing, which were quite magical because mm. they're trying to find the two missing paintings. Mm. And the other body of work, which was really resonant, was the 41 grief paintings she painted when her partner died, wow. of which I think they only had about three or four in the exhibition, and mm. there are some around. And I was thinking, I may imagine that there's a whole exhibition of 41 grief paintings, how an artist paints their way out of grief and pain. I thought that was stunning as an idea. Then I had a really beautiful experience in the weekend. I went to room and I saw Selena Ershati's work, um, this beautiful work. Amateur. Such an amazing video. Oh, I watched it three times. Every time I watched it, I got something more and more out of it. It was so evocative. There's text written by her mother. It's this beautiful piece of moving image that talks about space, time, space between distance, nostalgia. There's some beautiful moments in it. She gives the camera to her mother because she can't go, and so the mother doesn't know how to operate the camera. So there's all this beautiful footage of the camera upside down on the bed recording (laughs) or upside down on the kitchen bench recording because the mother thinks it's switched off. The camera is like eavesdropping over all of this family life, and they're quite beautiful images. So she's been given all these kind of gifts of the chance image, etc., Another one was Object Space, a short run, which was the lathe cut, retail, uh, lathe cut records that Luke Wood curated from Peter yeah, King. Because right. I thought that was a really interesting crossover in terms of um, you had the music culture, you had this culture of artists using, you know, Peter King, etc. And then all the, the record art and that underground record art and that whole history of New Zealand noise and music. And I thought it was a great kind of um, roundup of a whole community of culture in New Zealand as well. Rimko, what about yourself? Uh, one thing that I really, I think this is, it was a touring show, but it was, um, was it the Mari Moving Image show that I saw in Christchurch, which I thought was like pretty stunning and was a great install in Christchurch Art Gallery, big spaces, seeing um, all works that we're probably all quite familiar with, but um, Bridget Rewetti and um, Melanie Oliver curated that. And, um, you know, kind of Shannon Tao, their like, work that we, that we see, but it was great to see that all kind of um, clustered. Mm-hmm. And like it was, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not kind of completely familiar with all of these works, but mm-hmm. uh, seeing Nathan Pohio, like it was a 94 work there, for example, mm-hmm. uh, kind of amazing. The, I, I was really kind of sort of quite baffled by that, uh, <laughs> by that overview. And it was just a kind of a great, great install and hyper modern quite put into a kind of amazing kind of framework and you know it wasn't it wasn't sort of art art historical but it was just again sort of um kind of indicated or signaled this kind of more sort of political and social concern in in these works right so there was a lot of a lot of that in that work it was, i don't know how it looked at uh, in different uh Places, but I thought that really looked quite well in in, in Christchurch. It's interesting too that um, you know going back to the institutional mm, thing. This mm. was the year Nataonga closed its central mm. Wellington premises. Oh, okay. So oh, now they've oh, moved yeah. into the uh, orbit of the National Archives. So you know turning away from the public, their collection is you know mm. much harder to find. So again, another instance of oh, the arts community delving into the past job. and bringing mm. things up to light. Mm. Well, so was this show a sort of a response to that, or is it like? 
Actually, no, the show, well, actually the show came from circuit commissioning Bridget yeah. to undertake a series of interviews with um, mid to um, established yeah. Maori artists. Yeah. Um, and it kind of um, exploded from that yeah. into the show. No, it's great. Yeah. So, so that was, uh, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that. Um, then we saw, um, yeah, we went to Chicago and New York a couple of months ago and I saw there the Chicago Architecture Biennial, which was really kind of quite fantastic. And it was for the first time that I see that you see sort of an architectural curatorial background coming, um, or, or a more curator um, background and, uh, and an architect background. So it was curated by both an architect and, and, and an, uh, a visual contemporary art curator. So kind of a really weird mix of, of what was going on in that city and how sort of two kind of relatively different disciplines can come together. So it was really kind of take took a temperature of the city. It was highly, again, highly politicized show. It was for the first time it showed in the center of Chicago a commitment towards um, kind of um, indigenous acknowledgement. So it was big uh, like placards that were installed in terms of reclaiming of the land within those institutions that all these works were shown. And then maybe quite a, a recent one that just opened last week in uh, in Taranaki in uh, near Plymouth, mm-hmm. uh, and I would highly recommend everybody to go there and flock there and kind of you know. Go. <laughs> uh, no, it's really kind of it, it's like I like with the Maori moving image uh, show. I really got excited about it, and it's like it's a lo- kind of high density show curated by Ruth Buchanan. Um, in uh, Govett Brewster Art Gallery uh, and they basically the brief was like can we get the whole collection out uh, and that's what they attempted <laughs> uh, and it worked like really amazing so kind of Ruth did a residency there I think two years ago maybe three years and kind of has since also kind of really trying to connect to the Institute mm-hmm. and then two new directors coming in, curators coming in, mm-hmm. also trying to take the temperature. It was like, where do we find ourselves? You know, all of that com- kind of comes together in this kind of amazing, hospitable, manakitanga kind of show that mm-hmm. like puts, like almost, I mean, it's not everything on this way, but it's like, <laughs> it's like put all of the stuff in the, in the exhibition. And then very, Ruth has very carefully curated right so you see for example and categorize it really and kind of trying to challenge not only celebrating the collect- collection but also challenge it right so in what way she so for example <laughs> in female participation in the collection right or female representation uh-huh. in the mm. collection so she has a category uh, this doesn't really necessarily go it, it they're very subjective categories so you see for example legs or you see Maori age and you see legs uh, 59 mm-hmm. so there's very subjective categories of, of, of how she she had a very very specific system that she implemented yeah. where she was only showing works the first work for each of the artists so it's divided into decades yeah. and then obviously this is like it gets quite technical yeah. but it's divided into decades um, and then for each decade she sort of she didn't want to choose her favorite works. And so she implemented this structure on the collection where she would take the first work collected by the institution of that artist within that decade. So like, for example, there are, there are really like lesser Macans and things like that. There are sort of um, drawings or lesser works by really well-known artists. And then through implementing that system, you kind of end up seeing the different sort of collecting trends over the years. So like, um, 
in the 70s there are very few female artists yeah. um there i think there's a period where like being a female artist who was collected makes you into there's a section um in i think most of the decades there's a section called exceptions yeah and yeah. so it makes you an exception <laughs> yeah. Yeah. to the rules that she implemented out of what was in the collection so it's very sort of finicky and then kind of very much is like part of Ruth's practice as well in terms of the way that she implements systems on institutions and kind of exposes the problems and the slippages and the parts where the institutions don't don't fit into a nice little box yeah it's just just amazing to see an institute taking risk and also an institute is kind of or replaced and or as an artist as well to kind of bring that out and to kind of you know publicly put it out there Mm -hmm. and 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 ask questions because what you normally would do is a celebration well maybe we could talk a little bit about new artists move on to that and um becky um what emergent voices came to your attention this year i actually really enjoyed the Elam grad show this year Mm, I thought that it was particularly strong and like Shiraz Sadikin had an exhibition at the new space in Samoa House um, Neo Gracie like maybe a month or so before and it was quite similar works but I was really surprised at how great they actually looked in the Elam space as well when normally works don't always shine there but I think yeah yeah, they were quite they kind of a lot of the work seemed to have been pared back Mm. a bit more than some other grad shows where there's maybe one or two great works and then 20 other works from the year that the artist has kind of put alongside them so yeah Shiraz's work I loved that show and Tash Keddy had these kind of big speakers in the corner that were bound by these nylon restraints with these kind of cage lattice um, forms throughout the exhibition. They were really amazing. Um, Rhea Burton also. I don't know if Rhea's emerging, but it was at the grad show. It was a great, (laughs) really interesting exhibition with like a self-portrait and this kind of Monopoly man and this kind of a blue bum print on the wall as well. And then I also really loved the new artist show at Artspace, especially Arne and um, Arne Tran and Daniel John Corbett Sanders. I thought that pairing was really great and I love both of their practices. So it was really exciting to see them. Judy, what about you? Rather than picking favourites, I'd like to think more about um, the idea of the collective. And for me, um, Sosage, which is in Dryden Street in... Um, Grey Lynn is, an, is a really interesting little space. So it's a couple of, I think it's mainly Whitecliffe-orientated students, and it's the front of a shop, and they kind of use it as a, um, you know, they have um, move, um, musical performance, they have performance, they have events, and it's just a, a nice little tucked away thing, and it's always a surprise, and there's always some really interesting new fresh work there, and I, I really like the freshness of what they're doing there. And the other one was Mother Mother at Lot 23, which is Natalie Tozer, which again is another little artist project where, um, uh, again, it's woman artists and then you uh, nominate another woman artist and that becomes a show. So it's like a, a tag team um, nice. of, of art making. So again, it's it's got that nice kind of freshness again and it's building on itself and there's some really interesting work coming out and, and relationships and things. And I just like the generosity of the, of the space, I think. Um, 
Oh, I just wonder if I just want to go back to that whole idea of artist curating. And it's really, there's a really great show at Anna Miles at the moment. Again, it's been uh, curated by um, a female, sorry, Kirsten. And it's got this... Um, oh, at Melanie Roger. Oh, sorry, at Melanie <laughs> Roger, yeah. And um, it's just got this very kind of light, casual lot of overview of a whole lot of women painters. And, and they're all kind of disparate and it's all salon hung. But there's, again, there's this, all this energy and... And you can build all these relationships between the painting and the practices. And it, it's just a very nice, loose way of looking at work without that high-end curatorial mm. hangover that you get sometimes, you know. What about best moving image work, Vicky? I really enjoyed Meg Porteous's video on the Window Online gallery website. Uh-huh. It is Schubert's Unfinished Symphony, accompanies it, like a portion of it. And I think it was performed at the Royal Albert Hall so there's these kind of interludes of people clapping and I yeah it was really great to see Meg's kind of photographic practice in a video work and the way that she kind of will look at the mirror or look into the lens and not smile but kind of cuts like there's this knife that she's kind of looking at you with and I yeah it was like a very rousing video but also kind of anticlimactic which I really enjoyed and there was a text by her brother Fergus as well which kind of outlined what the video was doing at different stages in this really interesting way and I also went to Hobart and saw Simon Denny's exhibition Mine at Mona and love it was really really interesting show there were a lot of exhibitions opening that weekend that were kind of purporting to allude to climate change. But I think that the way that Simon did it, um, people had phones that Mona has a guide and you walk around the exhibition and you're kind of tracked as you walk around and all of the all of the exhibition labels on these phones, so you ask for the toilet and they say, just check the app. Like, no one kind of gives you any help. But for Simon's show, you're being tracked as you go around the show and then you engage with different works in the show and you can play videos and just like the bolshiness of people kind of bumping into you with their phones it's like just like watching people interact was really yeah it was really interesting it was a really good show cool judy well because my memory is very short i'll have to i can only remember the one i saw uh, selena <laughs> <laughs> was selena's show at room again which um yeah it's just still with me and um yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot, and um, it was just such an evocative, dreamy. It just brought up so much about, like, for me, you know, my degree in Meshes of the Afternoon was my mm-hmm. most formative moving image work. Um, and there's kind of little bits of that, and these very long, slow paced images of um, landscape and, um, and this alien, um, you know, going back to Iran, and it's just this extraordinary. Um, ideas of memory and um, gaps and things missing out and revolution. It's such this rich mix of storytelling and her family and her, her mother's family who still live there and photo albums and bearing books in the mountains and it's just really evocative, yeah. Wow, fantastic. Can't wait to read the uh, piece we've commissioned you to write about the show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited, actually. It's really good. Great. Yeah, we showed wow, one of Selena's earlier works at the Circuit Symposium earlier this year and had her talk to that as oh, well. Oh, the coffee 
Avatar, uh, uh, Hollywood window. Ho- uh, Hollywood Avenue. Hollywood, mm. yeah. yeah. We kind of staged part of that at Window uh-huh. as well when I was there a couple of years ago. So Remco, uh, moving in between, what stayed with you this year? I mean, uh, it wasn't on an, uh, I saw it on a plane. Uh, Mireta's work. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, on yes. my mom the screen, and I thought that was like really. Ama- uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I didn't ex- kind of expected that. You know, it was like I only got to um, see her work again, sort of being pretty fresh out here. I was still right, sort of saw her work for the first time, really. In the Tiuru show, mm-hmm. uh, was that also this year? Or was that the year before? The year before, well, the year I was before, thinking right? that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and then that was yeah. So that, that was just amazing to see that. Just an amazing documentary, uh, you know. Uh, I mean, obviously not made by her, but by her family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then to see that on a Netflix kind of reality is just kind of two <laughs> things coming together, different worlds coming together. No. So I thought that that was just kind of uh, like stunning. Excellent. Well, look, uh, one last question, which I didn't propose when we circulated the proposition that we meet, but I'm curious about the space. We're in the Audio Foundation, which has always struck me as like this strange place on K- off K Road. You know, it's not a dealer gallery. It's not art space. How well does the Audio Foundation function within the within the ecology of the art scene in Auckland? What's its, what role does it play? It's fact? a jewel. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a very important space and it's hyperactive and it's very busy and I don't know if you've ever followed their program there seems to be something on every night if not one site two sites incredibly supportive of the um, sound culture Um, yeah I think it's invaluable it feels like it's a community that kind of bridges communities as well yeah it's great yeah I think it's all about like Afina about support about uh, we had Luke Fowler here from from Glasgow a couple of months ago. Like he came through through here. Uh, yeah, we work we work a lot with um, Audio Foundation, and um, yeah, we did Phil Dance's thing a concert last week. So it's just kind of it's just kind of great. It helps you learn about like sort of what's been going on on the fringes. That's not only contemporary art. It also shows you that there is a world out there. <laughs> <laughs> there is a world. It's not contemporary art, and that is not. A moving image that is not film. It's all about sort of experimenting and uh, and, and support, I think. And <laughs> all right, well, thank you very much, everybody, for your participation in this overview of for the past year. Um, as I say, I'm sure you all have many more things you could talk about. So, <laughs> listeners, I encourage you to hit up all of our guests at the Christmas parties that are going to happen over the next few days. <laughs> and we'll see you next year. And. 2020!